Today we're lucky enough to have a, a speaker. It is uh, Tuesday the 10th of May and Audrey N is our speaker this afternoon. Um, Audrey is from Dublin but lives in County Meath. Um, she first came into the rooms in November 2016 and left in 2018 but she came back in 2020 and we're really glad she stayed. So um, I'm delighted to um, to welcome um, Audrey and to listen to your story. So take it away. You've got up to 30 minutes, Audrey, to, to share. Do you want someone to Thanks. time you? Yeah, I think Donna's gonna time me. Lovely. Thanks, Donna. Okay. Take it away. Thank you. Um, Thanks everybody. Um, I'm just gonna <clears throat> say the set aside prayer before I start. So God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, the 12 steps, the big book, the meeting, my disease and you God so that I may have an open mind a new experience with all these things please let me see the truth so this morning <clears throat> I had planned to drop the kids to school go home fix me hair put a bit of makeup on and share it in my bedroom and firepower had a different way so I've one child off sick and one on school refusal um, so I barely got time to brush my hair and get out to work. So I'm in my car, in the car park of where I work and just grateful, grateful that no matter what goes on, you know, I can still show up. Um, and my higher power has a really good sense of humor like that. So it was basically, you thought you had a plan um, and it wasn't his. So he just was letting me know. Okay, so to qualify for a compulsive overeater, um, I am the real deal of a compulsive overeater. That meaning that, you know, I doubled my weight when I was seven. Um, I had to get my grandmother to make me clothes. I was always, you know, watching life from the sidelines. Um, always wanting to be like everybody else in relation to their body size. But just I never was, you know, from from the time I was seven, eight, you know, teenagers. Um, I remember all of my holidays from the places that I ate. You know, and that's from a young child. Um, I remember stealing penguin bars in County Loud, you know, which is only literally up the road to me now, but that would be aware of place I went on holidays, you know, um, stealing money from my parents, you know, all of those things that I've done. Um, and then I also went through the, you know, every single paying way, um, every single paying way that you can imagine. Um, every single diet plan, every single shakes, um, abstaining, you know, laxatives, I've done it all, you know, and could never maintain weight loss. I would keep it off for a certain amount of time and then I would always put it back on. Um, I've lost over a hundred pounds, I'd say twice in my life. Um, and yeah, you know, I can say that I'm a compulsive overeater because there's certain foods that when I take and bite, you know, they set up a manifestation in my body and I can't stop eating them. And when I have one of something, it's the last one. And then I'm back in the car to get more. So I wasn't sure which way to do. You know, I was planning on having a nice, you know, prep time this morning, as I said, but, you know, this is not how my day went. So I'd like to just kind of, you know, briefly just talk about how I came into the rooms and then how I came back at a relapse. So I came into the rooms in 2000 and what did I say? It was 2016 maybe. And it was in November and 
my mom had basically had you know she had said all of the things that she had said through worry and regardless of the anonymous warnings that I had you know like the book talks about and um, when Bill had those anonymous warnings you know I had them I had high blood pressure um, I couldn't walk you know I, if I was going shopping and the kids asked me could they take the trolley oh by god I take the head off them because I'd have nothing to lean on you know I leaned on counters I leaned on you know leaned on one side of my body I couldn't I, I actually was physically so um so unwell you know never mind the disease in my head I was physically so unwell um my mom said to me you know your children will be orphans you know you're going to die um yeah Grant I hear you you know what did I do kept eating because I couldn't stop I didn't know what the solution was going to be you know um I torn up for things I'd have that look in my eye you know and it was I was dead you know had that just that blank look you know um the jolly friend you know but um was dying on the inside you know and I used to watch basically I watched life pass me by from the sidelines you know um I disengaged from people I amputated people that didn't conform to my beliefs my thinking um yeah, I was just not a nice person, you know, but thought I was great, thought I was, you know, I was, you know, really the yes person, you know, but it was really self-seeking of everything that I was doing. So, yeah, I came into the rooms and I think, um, I just get, um, I think Don is going to share the first, a lot of photographs. They would, these would be photographs that, um, you know, I'll just talk you through them, through. So the top one was, yeah, the top one is my daughter's communion, you know, um, that's actually 2019. So I had relapsed after that. So the bottom two ones in the, the, I was dressed up for Halloween there, that one on the corner one with the first two photographs before coming in to program in October, November 2019 or 2016. And I sat in the rooms from October or November, December, January. And my first OA big book, I wrote that I started the steps in the February. Um, the top corner picture there is me on the hill of Tara with a cousin um, from America, my mom's cousin, who's actually home now. And we're hoping to take that photograph again. Um, the other three photographs then are the other two photographs of me, the grey cardigan and the bottom left there in June of 2020. So there when I came back into the room. So that's just, you know, that's how I go. You know, I don't put on, you know, 10 pounds, you know, it's for me, it's go big or go home, you know. Um, and when I lose weight, you know, my 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 pounds or my stones or my kilograms, they're like gremlins, you know, they multiply when they come back on, you know, they literally come back on fast and furious. So I came into the rooms, as I said, and, you know, it was a face-to-face -face meeting, very local to me and, um I got a sponsor and I went through the book and, you know, done the steps, which I thought is what I done, you know, but what I done was I done what I wanted. I took what I wanted from the steps. I took what I thought was okay, you know. So when I was looking at abstinent meals, you know, didn't really dig deep with the ingredients, you know, I gave up, you know, I gave up the, the obvious choice of the chocolates and crisps and peanuts and all of that. And, but yeah, you know, I can have certain cakes. I just don't overeat on them. So they're okay to have when I eat out, you know, and I ate out quite a lot then, you know, because I could have those treats, you know. So I rock up to a meeting once a week, 
sometimes it'd be once a month because I was very busy you know I was um, a single parent with two children one with special needs and uh, I am the only parent in the world mind you that has that um, status nobody else you know nobody else has two children alone nobody else has children with extra needs only me um, so my self-seeking started to creep in, you know, my selfishness. And it was like, oh, you know, the kids need me at home. The kids needed a mom to be recovered, you know, but I couldn't see that then. So I went on my first holiday with the children, um, all inclusive. Why not? So much cheaper, you know, and um, I broke my abstinence, but I hadn't got abstinence. So what I broke was nothing, you know, and I was in relapse. How I got to that was, as I said, I stopped going to my meetings, stopped connecting to my sponsor. I stopped helping other people. I stopped looking to see what I could do for others. And what I was doing is I was getting right back into my defects of character. So for me, relapse is not like, oh my God, I really love that piece of food. I want, I want, I want to. Mine is, ah, sure, look, I don't really need to talk to somebody today. I won't go to that meeting. I'll go next week. Oh, sure, there's plenty of people there. They don't need me. That's what relapse happens. That's how it happened for me. And then the food came. And it was the food. It started off on the holiday that, you know, I'd have a couple of drinks and then it'd be little bits and little bits in and boom, by the end of the holiday, you know, I was making use of that wristband that I had on my wrist. I got back into the car in the car park and I thought somebody had broke into my car and moved my seat. And that's actually not a lie. I really thought someone was after moving the car seat because my stomach was hitting the steering wheel. I was away for a week and I was white knuckling it probably for three days. So for those other days, I was hell for leather. So you could imagine the weight that I put on. And then it was just gone. I was gone. It was in, in the field, like go down the photograph, show it. You know, the photographs show it there, you know, I'm in. But like the top photograph of that white T-shirt, that's my daughter's communion. That's less than three years ago, you know. So I know everybody, you know, there's tragedies that happened in the, the pandemic, you know. But for me, it saved my life. The meetings went to Zoom, you know. Again, I was the single parent, still single parent, you know, all these years later. Um, still have two kids, you know, one still has extra needs. And uh, I was able to take a meeting in my room. So I set in the meeting for March, April, May, full of resentment, you know, looking at people going, oh, there they go. Look, talking about their recovery and talking about their outreach and their this, that and whatever. Because I knew I had to do the work. I knew this just wasn't going to just land on my lap. You know, I knew that it wasn't going to be a quick fix. I knew I had to do what it says, you know, these simple tools that were laid at our feet. So my children was going off to their their um, their dad for a sleepover because they do have a dad. But in my disease, I'm the only parent because that's how selfish I am. And I want to, you know, make him be, you know, not present. So people think that I'm this big marcher that can do everything myself. And I dropped them to their dads and I went to the shop and I'm standing in the shop with these foods. Now, mind you, I'm attending meetings at this stage, so I'm still white knuckling and trying to, you know, have the three meals. And I have foods in my hands and I'm like, I'll just have one of that, one of that, one of that. And I'll watch something on telly. And it was the first time that I actually bought the feelings with the behaviours. I was eating that night because I was lonely. 
I had felt, yeah, I'm on my own. So I needed that. I needed that ease and comfort. So the big book tells us in the doctor's opinion that we have an allergy. So I eat certain foods that give me an effect. So they give me ease and comfort. They make everything nice, probably for a few seconds. And I'm constantly looking for that aha moment. But when I take those foods, they set up that allergy that wants me to have more and more. And if these are foods that I can just came from the office, they're all after having their lunch, impunity. They can eat it. It will not damage them. They will not go home and binge. They won't shop, stop at the shop. I can't take those foods because what happens is I take them. I'm in another um, I'm in another binge, you know, and for me, it was just constantly eating all day. There was never one big binge. I just never stopped eating. I mean, you don't get up to 400 and something pounds by just having, you know, a break in your, your diet. So these are, you know, people can eat with impunity. I can't, you know, I look at people in a restaurant and they're taking bits and this, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with them? You know, I'm the person that wants to be only coming in, you know, because I'm finished and I'm raging, I'm finished. And then I wake up the next morning saying, that's it. I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing it, you know, only to go again. Before I even get to work, I'm in that garage. So that's what the doctor's opinion tells me. The doctor's opinion tells me that outside of every single thing he knew, there was no solution. The only solution was that I needed to have a moral psychology, a change in my thinking. And the only way I was going to get that was through a spiritual program. So coming from somebody that on the census form has no religion, has no status on anything. My children don't make any sacraments. Um, I had to find something that was greater than me, you know, and thank God I was willing, you know. So from that time, I put those fields back and rang somebody and they said, OK, this is what you need to do. I was like, tell me tell me because I can't go through this anymore people say you have to be willing you have to be this you have to be this I was on my knees I was desperate you know there was no way that I could push trolleys around for the rest of my life or be in a trolley you know that I had to motor or you know I was I was killing myself with the fork I basically was digging my own grave with my fork I'm probably jumping back and forth so um so yeah I got a sponsor went through the steps, you know, done the work, listen to the podcast, get a vision for you meeting every day. But again, you know, how am I going to do this? And it was brought to my attention. You drove to get food. You prepared those binges. You know, you drive to 100 shops a week. You know, you'd spend money on petrol. You know, all of those things. And I was saying, yeah, you know, I, my, my recovery needs this. I need to give it 100%. So I went through the steps, you know. Yeah, it was hard. You know, yeah, coming out relapse, it's hard, you know, but as the book says, you know, a day in recovery, you know, is so much better. But I always say you can never imagine being out of the field when you're in it. Like you can never imagine being in the field when you're out of it, you know, so it's taken that I had to believe there was something bigger than me. I'm not all that, you know, I'm not all that, you know, but it took me to come to this program to realize that because I taught everybody taught, yeah, she's sound and yeah, you know, bring her to the party, you know, because I was so self-seeking, such of self-seeking behaviors. Um, so my program is very basic, 
you know I have to keep it very basic so I get up in the morning and I pray and meditate you know and that can be anything you know for sometimes I have to read on awakening sometimes I connect you know just sitting in the bed saying you know higher power get me through today you know handing the day over to you give me the nice next right thought or action saying step one two three um and then I go for a morning swim not because you know I'm going to be this athletic but because that's my connection that's my connection in the morning and that's my self-care I didn't do self-care and disease maybe I didn't shower for days maybe I didn't wash my hair for days there was times I actually couldn't do it you know that's not today today this program has given me a chance to live um, the unawakening is on page 86 to 88 in the big book um, and then you know and there's plenty of meetings there's meetings all around there's a meeting that goes in Cork 7am it's on for 15 minutes you know that was the game changer for me I attended that until the time difference with swimming um, so today I live a life you know today I live um, I wake up prayer meditate you know outreach calls are so important to me I have to connect to another fellow I have to connect to the newcomer the most important people on this meeting is the newcomer the people returning you know because this the book says in the chapter and I can't remember which chapter is there is a solution there's only one solution to this disease you know doesn't say there is a few solutions and you take your pick whichever one works for you it says there is a solution and the solution is working the 12 steps so by working the 12 steps you know step one you know it's just that admitting forced yeah i'm powerless powerless over the field you know my life was unmanageable you know i'd be the person that had all the posts you know don't open it just leave the bills there you know that's fine we'll open it when we get around to it the bills were mounding up you know be shopping online i'd be bringing the kids, all self-seeking stuff, getting the person, friends, the biggest, you know, the biggest birthday card, birthday present, so they could all say, you know, oh, look, there's Audrey, she gets the greatest birthday cards, the birthday presents, and I had to open my window, it's absolutely worsening now. Um, so, yeah, so that's, for me, it is a daily it's a prescription, you know, my prescription to keep me well. If I had another disease and I had to follow up, um, a prescription or procedures or whatever I'd be doing that I have an illness my illness is I'm a compulsive overeater I'm allergic to certain foods when I eat them they set up a manifestation of an allergy and I can't stop eating them so entire abstinence is the only thing that keeps keeps me well you know keeps me working the steps yeah abstinence is great you know and I define it as I eat three meals a day I do not eat in between um, I live in between um, that works for me because if I was a snacky person I'd be just snack for meal snack to meal you know so that's what I have to do um, I have to do that every day what keeps me well is my connection to a higher power you know my connection to knowing that there's something else out there you know it was absolutely lashing rain when I got into the car I was like no one's going to hear me torrential rain Sammy started to speak and the sun is shining now. I didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. I don't have that power. You know what I mean? No matter how much I wished it and willed it and wanted it to happen, it didn't. You know, that's not how it works. But I did ask, you know, let somebody hear something today. You know, um, so I don't know, Donna, if you want to just put up the beautiful photographs there. And 
when I first came into pro program and people shared photographs, I cringed. Oh my God, I was like, I can't cope with this. I'm never going to share photographs. The reason I say said that at the start of meeting was pure at the start of recovery was purely because I never was able to maintain weight loss. I always put it back on. So when I lived in America for three years, I traveled everywhere. And at that was at that point, the one up on the left is me. I was probably eight stone heavier up in the left. I had eight stone on me and lost it. And that's what I was when I lived in America. I traveled everywhere, Niagara Falls, Vegas, Buffalo, New York, Oregon. I came home from America and I dumped every single photograph of my travels because I knew then I was left Audrey. Thanks, Donna. I knew I was never going to maintain that weight loss. I knew it. My mom kept saying, don't throw them out. You're going to regret it. It's like, well, no way. Who wants to look back at a skinny person? Never going to get to that. You know, so I can share these other photographs because this is my journey to get to my healthy body weight because it's working. You know, it's working because I work it. You know, the middle photograph is me in Spain um, in a white top that I actually wore at my daughter's communion in the other one. And the people I was away with were like, if you don't fuck that in the bin before you come home, we're going to take it off. They were like, throw it in the bin. Um, I kept clothes in the wardrobe because I, you know, I'll get back into them. I never trusted that I would stay or maintain weight loss. So the top photograph, the top two photographs, apart from the one in the red, when I'm nice and young and um, young, um, I'm in Spain, you know. So I went to Spain last year. I went last September, October, and again this March. That's me living in this solution. I never wait, went away because I couldn't be present with people because I isolated. Disease had me where it wanted it, where it wanted me, you know, isolated from life, you know, full of self. And when people talked about selfishness in the rooms and they say, um, you know, God, I was so selfish. I used to think, what did they do? My God, what did they do? Because I'm such a nice person. I travel across the country for anybody. Yeah. So that they could tell me how good I was because I self-seeked in everything, you know? I don't have to do that today. I can say, no, I'm sorry, and walk off, instead of walking back going, I'm really sorry because blah, 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 you know, because I could never sit with that, you know? What if they don't like me, you know? Not in my business, not my business, you know? It is not my business today what anybody else thinks of me. This program is learning me to like myself, you know? And I'm really not that bad, you know, I'm getting to know who I am. Um, when I was in disease, I was existing. I was a person existing in life and I'm now living, you know. Um, my children, you know, they're so aware of me in program. Um, I've explained to them, you know, and they're aware of when I have a resentment, they're aware when I'm apologizing to them. They came out of school as kids looking to see what is she like today? Who have we got? You know, what mom have we got today? They don't do that anymore, you know? And when they see me kind of getting a little bit, you know, maybe I'm a little bit agitated, you know, they'd be like, oh, she needs to do a God call. You know, that's what they call it. And uh, I'm like, yeah, maybe I do. But I'm, I'm instilling in them that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to apologize, you know? Because my step four, oh my God, you know, it was everybody else's. I 
boom, boom, boom. All those columns were filled in in seconds until it got to the last one, you know, because it was like my part. Oh, I have a part in this. How did that happen? You know, so when I take that responsibility for that part, you know, it's just a clearance, you know, it's a really clear. So today, you know, when I do something, you know, or I say something, you know, I go back to people and say, you know, that wasn't really nice of me to say that. I'm really sorry. If somebody's trying to engage me in character assassination, I, you know, just can't do it. I don't have the luxury of doing that. I don't have the luxury of the bedevilments that the book says, you know, I do not have those luxuries. Um, and yeah, the steps, you know, the, the maintenance steps, the step 10, I'm on a step 10 train since I think I'm on it now, 20 months, maybe, you know, so if somebody had told me at the start of program, I'd be calling somebody else every day to talk about my resentments and my fears. Nah, I haven't got time for that. I'm, I'm, I still have two children alone, you know, how am I going to do that one? You know, saving me life, you know, all of this is saving my life. All of this has given me a life. It's given my colleagues someone to work with. It's given my parents their daughter. It's given my kids their mom. It's given me friends their friends, you know. All this program has given me is my life back. Yeah, it's not rainbows and butterflies. And when I open the windows in the morning, the boards aren't chirping on my shoulders, you know. Yeah, there's days when I wake up and, you know, I've made a mistake two weeks ago. I got up, got out of bed and opened that director's chair and sat on it. And I was, if he'd, she, everybody done this, you know. But that night when I done my step 11, you know, and I was looking at what did I learn today? I learned a lot, you know, and I learned that, you know, I can't do this. You know, that's why I'm in program. If I could do this, you know, I'd be in a pain way and I'd be sitting up in the office with everybody having the crack now, you know, but that's not my life. My life is this program. If I don't put recovery forced, I can't parent. If I don't put recovery forced, I can't be the worker that I am. I'm no service to anybody, you know. Um, so that's the te 10 step, the 11 step, you know, I bookend my day morning and night through the day, take that minute to pause. My outreach calls remind me as well, you know, the importance of connecting in with fellows, finding friends in recovery. You know, who would have thought, you know, all the nutters together just have the crack, you know, because we're not a glum lot and I'm not, you know, my disease is really, really serious, you know, but I'm not. You know, my disease is serious, but that doesn't mean that I have to make it all, you know, and I've made some really good friends and, you know, people say like, oh, sobriety, you know, I had to give up drink when I came in because drink had ingredients in it. You know, I don't want any mood altering substances. I want to have that connection. I want to live and I want it to be me going out and having the crack and not needing that ease and comfort from something you know and yeah there's other things coming up and the onion is being peeled and I have to look at other things but that's okay because I can do it in recovery you know but what I say is I don't have to hurt myself with food today you know I don't have to put anybody else through that misery of me being miserable I don't have to treat anybody else unkindly because I feel like shit you know I can pick up the phone and say to somebody, yeah, life is shit, you know. My son's at home refusing to go to school, telling me he's going to drop out. My daughter's unwell. Did I pick up today? No. Is it going to make it any better? No. Me being sober, going home and being able to talk to them and being available, that's what'll work, you know. But again, I don't do it. This connection to whatever it is, as I say, it's a power greater than me, you know. 
and I have to trust in it every single day that it'll do its work, not mine, you know. Um, thanks a million Donna so yeah so generally when I come on and do shares I never prepare I never write down stuff because I just want higher power to give me whatever I'm supposed to say and I'm just praying that somebody heard something here today you know and you know the way all the slogans stay till you love we love you till you love yourself it works if you work keep coming back they're said for a reason you know we do love everybody here you know my son said to me the other day, did you tell her you love her? It's like, yeah. And that's okay, you know, because I do love these people, you know. I've learned to love. I've learned to say to people, keep coming back. I want to see it in the room because I want people to have what I have. I want people to live, you know. Um, so I'm just so grateful that I have a car that I can sit and cheer in, that I have a boss that let me leave the job and I have two kids that haven't texted me or rang me during the share so higher power has sorted that out and I'm just so grateful to have the chance to share today and I really hope that somebody heard something um and with that I pass